What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today, we're looking at Exodus 19, 20, and 21 here in the Old Testament. And the people of Israel are approaching the mountain of God, God's mountain, Mount Sinai. And as they approach there, it says God has some instructions for them, but he teaches them something about what the law is going to be used for before he even gets into the law. So we're going to talk about those 10 commandments in a minute. But Exodus 19, God says in verse 5, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, which means God made a promise and they're supposed to keep their side of the deal. They're supposed to live as God's holy people. He says, if you keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine, right? So God owns the whole world, but he says, I have a special care for you and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So this is the goal. This is why they're getting these commandments, because God wants them to take these commandments, live them out, and everyone will notice that they're different. And he says, you'll be like a kingdom of priests. The goal is that these people will be so in tune with what God says that people from all over the world could come to them and they could say, well, here's how you get right with God. Here's how you live for God. Here are the right things that God wants us to do. Well, these are the evil things that God wants us to avoid. That's part of the goal in giving them this law. And then it says, God shows himself in a glorious and mighty way on the mountain. And then Moses goes up to talk to God. And the people of Israel are afraid to talk to God. They say, I don't want to go near that mountain. Moses, you go instead of us. So they go away. They, they, they go somewhere else. And Moses goes on the mountain. And Exodus 20 is the list of these 10 commandments, the most important things that God tells these people to do. The first commandment, he says, hey, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So that's super important as we establish everything that's going to go forward. You have one God. That's what he tells this nation. Then he says, so don't make any idols. Don't make any carved images. Also, don't try to represent me in any form, which is super interesting. God says, don't make any idols because I don't want to be represented in any animal form or anything like that because if you represent me, you will represent me wrongly. That's just an interesting insight that we get from this second commandment. Then he says, don't take my name in vain. Don't use my name in a way that's less than holy. And today we see that when people use God's name as a curse word, but it goes even beyond that. If you're talking about God frivolously, if you're using his name in a worship song, but you don't mean what you're saying, you're taking his name in vain. So he says, don't take my name. Don't say my name unless you mean it because my name is holy. Now, verse four, he says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy which was this rule for these Israelites. They were supposed to be distinct from all the rest of the cultures of that world because what they were supposed to do is not work on Saturday, the seventh day. They were supposed to make that a holy day where they would worship God instead of doing their normal work. And he said, that's the reason you do that is because God worked for six days and rested on the seventh. But God didn't do that because he had to. God didn't need to rest. God works all the time if you think about it now. He didn't create anything on the seventh day because he wanted to leave an example for us. We need the example of work and rest. Then number five is you should honor your father and mother all the days of your life that your days may be long in the land that the Lord has given you. So New Testament says that's the first commandment with a promise. So honor your father and mother. Remember, is that just to little kids? It's not just to little kids. That's to adults too. In fact, I think the primary audience here is probably two adults. They're supposed to honor their older mothers and fathers. So they're supposed to show dignity and honor to them. Obviously, in the New Testament, Ephesians 6 says the application for kids is, well, kids need to obey their parents, submit to their parents. That's different what 
than what he's telling these adult children to do. He's telling them to honor. So you go from, I got to obey my parents and everything. That's what Ephesians 6 says if you're a kid in the house. But then if you're not a kid in the house, you're not off the hook. You still need to honor your father and mother. Then it says some simple ones, don't murder, which... Sounds simple, but we're going to get in Exodus 21 a bunch more rules, and even Exodus 22 we get more about what that means not to murder and the specific rules about that. Then it says you shall not commit adultery, right? Don't cheat on your spouse. Interestingly, that's another covenant, right, between a man and a woman before God. So he says don't break that covenant in any way. Don't do anything that would break that covenant. Then he says you shall not steal, right? And a lot of the laws that we're going to get later on pertain to what it means to, for people to steal and what the punishments for stealing should be in this community. Then he says, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't say something about your neighbor that's not true. Don't listen to what your neighbor said and then change the story when you're reporting it to somebody. Don't lie. That's what number nine is all about. Number 10 might be the hardest one of all for people today. It says, don't covet. Don't look at what someone else has and want it in your heart. That's even beyond just an outward action. See how number 10 is a very heart-centered commandment, which says don't even want what other people have. If you're tempted by looking at what everyone else has, the solution is, okay, I don't, I don't even want to look then. It's interesting. These commandments, the New Testament shows us, and Jesus says this on the Sermon on the Mount, that you've heard these commandments, but you need to know the true intention of all these commandments, and that's that your heart would desire what's true and right which the interesting thing that this was supposed to do for these Israelites was it was supposed to serve as a boundary. I want you to think of these commandments that way. Sometimes you just think of commandments as rules to be broken or rules to be followed, but I want you to imagine that if everyone in this community is doing all of these things, think about how great of a community this would be to live in. If everyone worshiped God, if everyone honored God's rules, if everyone um, said, I'm not gonna murder, I'm not gonna commit adultery, I'm not gonna steal, I'm not gonna bear false witness. I mean, you've got a really good community here. So these, these rules are kind of, you can think of them, I have one professor that said, think of them like a fence that's put around that we're supposed to live. There's freedom within these rules. Once you get outside of these rules, it becomes dangerous for everyone, whether you're living in Israel or anywhere else. So it's very important for us to see that these rules in that context. And then chapter 21 is more rules. And these rules, interestingly enough, if you think about it, they promote the, the common humanity in everybody, that, that everyone's made in God's image. And these rules are a reflection of that. You need to treat people with respect. Even people who are not as rich or some people who are rich or poor, you got to treat both of them with respect. So just interesting that God shows us so much about himself in these laws. As you read them, don't just skip past them and think, okay, these are laws, they don't matter. No, they're God revealing his truth to his people. So that's the Old Testament. We're looking at the New Testament right now. Matthew chapter 20, we're only looking at one parable here. This is another parable that displays God's grace and Jesus is teaching about that here. He ended last chapter by saying, but many who are first will be last and the last first. He's going to end today's parable with the same thing. It says, so the last will be first and the first last. So that theme connects these two parables together as he had just told them, hey, if you leave everything for, for me, you're going to be rewarded and have eternal life. But then he's going to give a caveat here in chapter 20. He's going to tell the story, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. It says that some people went out into the field and labored all day from 9 o'clock in the morning all the way till sunset, and the master gave them a certain wage. But also the people who showed up at noon, the master gave them the same wage. And the people who showed up at the 11th hour, the people who showed up just before sunset and put in one good 
hard hour of work, they also got the same amount. And the problem there is the people who worked in the morning could think, well, I deserve more. And the master says, you agreed to this price. And even this price is a gracious price to you. I'm giving you more than you deserve. Don't get mad at me for being more gracious to someone else. Sometimes people who, who are around the church can think like that. And, and I think that's the directive here for us. We shouldn't be people who are upset when God shows grace to someone else. Don't be mad that God shows grace to someone else. And you might say, well, I would never be mad that God shows grace to somebody else. Well, you might be if you remember Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. We oftentimes don't want to forgive other people when they've wronged us. And we sometimes are mad that God shows them grace. Chapter 20 says, don't get mad that God shows other people grace. In fact, you should rejoice and be happy that God is gracious because he's been gracious to you. So I, th I think that theme is carried on from chapter 18 all the way to chapter 20 here. So we shouldn't be mad when God saves someone. Like the, the classic example of this is imagine the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross lived a, a terrible life. He did horrible things for his whole life. And then at the very end of his life, he encounters Jesus. He trusts him. He asks him if he can go to heaven. And Jesus says, you're going. And he just trusts Jesus and that's it. There, there's, there's a repentance, I suppose, there. He, he stops blaspheming Jesus. He even defends Jesus, but he can't really do anything concrete. He can't prove his, his faith by his works. I mean, other than just not sinning anymore and defending Jesus, I guess that's something. But I mean, he's the guy who showed up at the 11th hour. There's other people that grow up in the church and live for 80, 90 years serving Jesus every day, sacrificing, suffering for him, and they're going to heaven too. And they both get the same thing, God's grace, God's saving grace to forgive them of their sins. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. And that's the whole point. It's not fair that Jesus saves anyone. So we should never have a superiority complex to other people because we think we're better than them. We need to be very careful about that. So that's what we got from today's daily Bible reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.